The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all <laughs> at TNTradio.live. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Willkommen, Bienvenue, welcome from Berlin, Germany to the Dirk Pullman Show. And my guest today is Ula Fritjofsson. Um, thank you for being with me, Ula. Thank you for having me, Dick. Yeah, that's a quick introduction. You have been the foreign affairs spokesman for the social democratic youth in Sweden at the heyday of social democracy. That was when Olaf Palme governed uh, in Sweden. And uh, at that time, I think it's fair to say the uh, to call the Social Democratic Party in Sweden the strongest in the world at that time. And it looked in a way, um, I recall that very well when I was young, which is about 400 years away, um, that social democracy looked like uh, being the probably the future of well-run societies. And just a uh, Three weeks ago, I saw a poll. We have an, an election coming up in Germany, in Saxony, and the Social Democrats were in the polls at 1%. That would mean they wouldn't get into Parliament. It's the worst poll that ever existed on an election with Social Democracy. And I'd like to talk with you what went wrong, because I think we both feel that a lot went wrong. But um, the situation in Germany, where um, we are, uh, we will talk about that, the farmers' protest. You have the situation in Sweden, where the Social Democrats are in favor of joining NATO. That's another thing which is really weird if you consider what Social Democratic foreign policy once was. And also, you have Great Britain, uh, where it has less and less importance. So I think it's a big issue. But I want to discuss with you, it's not that I'm uh, the master of the universe and know what to talk about. You have a lot of experience. You come from a family of social democrats. Your father was a <clears throat> secretary of defense in the Swedish government. So what is uh, Basically, I would like to start with one question. You sent to me an interview with Yanis uh, Varoufakis, whom I interviewed in 2015 when they, Germany tried to recolonize Greece, recolonize Greek uh, Greece uh, economically, and is a very smart person and a very bright, straightforward thinker. <laughs> and I was thrilled. How did uh, uh, I mean you sent it to me? So, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Why is this important? What he told about? Oh, yeah, I think he he's written a very interesting book. I've ordered it. I have not read it. I've just seen the some uh, videos uh, where he's talking about it. But as I understand him, he says that uh, the market is more or less gone. Uh, because uh, the capitalists have turned rentiers, uh, taking rent like the old feudal uh, masters did uh, uh, in the medieval times and so on. And uh, that uh, really puts a finger on a very important change and development in our societies, uh, that, that uh, there are monopolies like uh, Amazon and Google and <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, if you want to buy something, you have to buy it there. And then they take uh, like 40% or something from the uh, mm. revenues uh, in Amazon. And it's just sitting there. And because he owns this platform, he can <laughs> become 
more or less the, mo- the wealthiest man in the ro- in the world, which uh, Elon Musk is that now. Uh, and uh, that really has changed capitalism. And then he reasons, he, I mean, he says this, I could have described this as a later form of capitalism and or something like that, but I would like to describe it as a new form of feudalism. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of these, and and he also connects to the fact that uh, the central banks, especially the one in the United States, have financed uh, a lot of the the he he called it the cloud capital, uh, and uh, that's also a new thing. So there are capitalists, there are small capitalists, big capitalists, but then there are these super capitalists or the feudal lords, so to say. And uh, uh, people uh, like uh, ordinary people trying to live their ordinary lives, earning their wages and so on, are very much more dependent on these platforms today to get a job, to to perform a job uh, and so on than earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, big change in our societies. And I think that is very right. I think... I would have liked him to talk also about uh, the issues for the environment, for example, uh, where it's another dimension that uh, mm-hmm. affects politi- pol- pol- policies today. You can see the farmers revolts in well, Germany, Belgium, Holland. It's um, very much connected to the policies uh, that has to do with the new environment policies. And, and also, I would have liked to have more about the security state, the deep state, uh, and uh, its uh, uh, maneuvers, maneuvers to to try to influence and control democracy in mm-hmm. the various countries. And of course, you have then the big you know, the American uh, intelligence and the English intelligence uh, on top of everything in in Europe. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that that's the new new uh, preconditions conditions for the pol- political uh, uh, work for 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 and it uh, affects uh, affects uh, voters so they go to the right and i read a study uh, 2022 i think it was from london university uh, where they had uh, i think it was 22 i have it written down somewhere here 22 advanced democracies uh, where social democrats uh, have played a big role and they uh, looked into elections 336 elections between 65 and 2019 and they concluded that when social democracies go to the right in in politics uh, and uh, at the same time you have more in uh, economic inequalities, and you have more. Uh, le- you have more uh, unemployment. Uh, then uh, social democracies lose. I think it's a self-evident. I mean, if you go to the right when people need something from the social democracy, you lose. And it's even more evident if there is a far right or a right wing more or less uh, populistic or popular, you could say, uh, right, uh, as a, a political competitor. So mm. this is, 
overall, I mean, there's just m- very many things that affects the social democracy decline. But I think this is very important. Yeah. yeah, I want to get into several points there. One is, um, I think you explained uh, uh, what Varoufakis said very well. Uh, you know, the thing with Amazon was a good example. He said uh, they just sit there and they get 30%, 40% of whatever is being sold. And that amasses to more than 40 million in uh, 40 billion, I mean, excuse me, 40 billion in Europe, and they pay zero taxes on it. Um, and everybody who produces things um, is, uh, they they call them the feudal lords, these companies, the big tech, the big uh, internet companies, and the feudal, um, they are the big ones, and they have some surf serfdoms where people produce stuff, um, and that has uh, developed really, uh, said in the in the um, in the tenth of the two thousand years, so from two thousand ten something, it really went everything went to China and to Vietnam. That's where the production is. And in a uh, ironic twist of fate, now you could say Europe is not on any map uh, that it has a future on the horizon. And there are only two powers that can compete, which is USA and China, because China also has big tech, but under different um, under different government. His example, which is very interesting, I didn't know that, with TikTok. He explained that TikTok, in the West, there's the financial sector, and then there are the IT companies, and uh, it's uh, controlled by the state. So, for example, if you buy something, TikTok is everything. It's like Facebook, it's like X, it's, uh, it's like Amazon, all rolled into one. But you can also transfer money. And this money transfer in TikTok is without any wage for anybody. It's just they offer that as a service. That's one of the reasons why everybody in China is on TikTok. And TikTok became very popular in the Western world too. And he said, this is something just from the structure, which will never happen uh, in the Western world, because there it is, the city of London, uh, who's declaring the rules. And another thing, uh, I think a very interesting figure was that uh, 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 2009, um, we had something like uh, 70 trillion um, uh, uh, pounds. It was about pounds, was an interview with an English guy. 70 trillion pounds uh, in, in the financial sector. And uh, just five years later, this number uh, was tenfold, more than tenfold. So you can see there is the casino capitalism. So if anybody's interested in economy, I highly recommend his new uh, his new book and the interviews you can find on the uh, on the uh, internet about it but it's also that what you mentioned what we have in germany is that our right-wing populist party which they try to depict as the new fascist party the afd has now safely more than 20 percent in many uh, in many of our states it's the strongest party uh, if you look at Germany and if you look at the strongest party in Germany, the East is blue, which is the AFD, and the, the rest is black, which are the Christian Democrats, who survived quite well. But that is, in a way, hard to understand. You also mentioned equality. That is a big issue by Thomas Piketty. And I think we have to talk about that as well, that uh, there is the question of how inequality in societies uh, it, why that is a problem? Because it sounds, uh, you know, for somebody who is a Thatcher, right? It is uh, you do your own business, and she appealed to the petit bourgeois who are really bore the brunt of the 
they got the beating in this kind of economy. They are the ones uh, who are running down and they're also supporting, like in the uh, 20s in Italy and the 30s in Germany, these right-wing uh, right parties, but also the working, the blue-collar people. They, for example, in the United States support Donald Trump because they don't feel that, uh, uh, I mean, in America, I would say there is no left wing. Like I don't know who said. I think George Carlin said, "In America, you have a right wing party with two wings." Yeah, the Democrats and the Republicans. There's nothing uh, compared to that. So, um, and I also recall Margaret Thatcher, who said her biggest political achievement was uh, inventing new labor. That dovetails with what you say here. Yeah. So, what uh, what do you think? Why? Um, is there from Sweden? I would be interested because Sweden was so strong. Um, was there any analysis of what's happening? Why they're going down? I mean, they're still, uh, they have chance to get in a coalition government, but the big, their heyday is over. So what is your take? Why did that happen? Well, yeah, the situation in Sweden today for the Social Democrats is that uh, we have around uh, 30 plus percent of the uh, in the opinion polls and uh it's That's like what the uh, german democrats would love they would love this number if social democracy have campus um, will be able to play a role in politics uh, we have to have around 35 or so percent because uh, if not we have to align ourselves uh, with perhaps more uh, liberal or parties hmm. and so but but that is very a very uncertain unsecure un un number uh, it, the, i don't know where where it will end up we'll have election in a couple of years time and uh, i mean if uh, if uh, we have the same development like in Norway now. I think the Social Democrats have around 17% uh, in the opinion polls. And uh, of course, in in Germany and so on, it goes down all the time. And why shouldn't it go down also in Sweden? <laughs> um, I, I think uh, you talk about Thatcher and th th lots of things happened in the 80s that changed changed the possibilities for the Social Democrats. Since the 80s, we've had a fewer fewer uh, organized labor the labor movement social democrats and the trade unions uh, it's very important that those both sides of the labor movement are strong and uh, uh, i don't know where the how many are organized in the blue color trade unions in germany now but i think it's uh, perhaps um, is it around 20, 30 percent, or is mm -hmm. it more? I don't. Mm -hmm. In Sweden, I think we've gone down from like 80 percent to 60 or something like that. And uh, uh, so that happened, started to happen in the 80s. What happened in the 80s? I mean, we of course have the big change in the Cold War ended in 89, 1991. And uh, uh, I thought at that time that the new world, the new Europe, and the new Soviet Union would be very much uh, uh, drawn up from social democratic uh, visions and uh, reforms. But that did not happen. In in the Soviet Union, you got this uh, ugly capitalism where 
people uh, committed suicide, alcoholism grew, and uh, so on. And uh, development was not there. It was uh, the economy gone went almost bankrupt. And uh, uh, so uh, I think we still have to try to understand what happened in the 80s. But from coming from Sweden, I cannot, I have to talk about the murder of uh, the prime minister, Olof Palme, in 86. And uh, and all the... Yeah, Ulla, have- keep your thought, please. We have to go to the ads and we continue because that's a very important issue. We continue with the murder of Olof Palme after the ads. <laughs> TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints us will be pulling his hat from the ring next. And the issue, as always, is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, And I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder, and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonist. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. 
he looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise you wouldn't be deception. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. And you saw the ad on Julian Assange, and that's really, uh, it's connected in a way to the topic that we wanted to discuss, uh, Olaf Palme, because that was the promise of the West, that there's something like change is possible and it's going towards a better future and i would say as long as julian assange is in prison there can be no free west it's simply contradictory it doesn't mean if he's out that there will be a free west but that's a precondition and um it also to remind people who are not familiar with olaf palmer olaf palmer was a swedish prime minister and at that time sweden was simply by his uh, government a moral superpower in the world uh, Sweden supported the ANC. Um, they were the only ones with the Soviet Union, I have to say, <laughs> at that time, uh, handing money out to ANC and being in favor of Nelson Mandela. Remember that Nelson Mandela was in, um, in 2008 was still on the list of the FBI. Uh, so he couldn't get into uh, the United States uh, legally. Um, that's quite funny in a way. Um, and also, um, uh, Olaf Palmer had in a demonstration against the Vietnam War when the students in, in America and in Western Europe were demonstrating against it. He was leading the demonstration in Sweden together with the ambassador of North Vietnam, which didn't make him a friend of, for example, Richard Nixon, who only called him that Swedish asshole. Um, but in this third world, and I can also say in Eastern Germany, when I talk to people from Eastern Germany, he had an enormous reputation. He was a person that everybody would trust, to be honest. Um, that also, uh, that some hated him for that, but uh, in, that is important. In Eastern Germany was the Olaf Palme marches. There were marches for him, and that was a possibility to show dissent uh, to the government that was there, That was, but it was accepted. So um, you said the demise of the social democracy, you want to link it to the murder, and I would say the unsolved murder, everything I ever heard about. Um, Sweden is not very famous for having good uh, uh, good research institutions in terms of par parliamentary, everything I heard from there, from the Estonia to, to Olaf Palme and to the Swedish submarine affair, that all uh, Swedish submarine affair might be the best one because in the end they came towards the truth but in many other cases they tiptoed around the truth and but that is still on but what is your take why is Olaf Palme so important 
Well, I think that the, the Swedish neutrality policy, uh, it was a, a red flag for the Americans. Uh, they were afraid that it would spread being non-aligned, being neutral uh, through Europe and perhaps to the what we call the third world, and that that had to be stopped. And uh, Ulf Palme was a personification of uh, non-alignment and uh, a more uh, active social democratic international policy. Today, we don't see anything of that. So you, you, you said mm -hmm. that we are trying to join the NATO and... Uh, uh, we have decided it will be approved by the parliament uh, probably now in spring. Uh, 17 Swedish military bases uh, uh, where the Americans can store weaponry, can have personnel, and where American law will be executed, not Swedish. And of course, the Finns, they have 12 of these. And I think the Norwegians, they, they are planning to increase from 4 to 12. So in all 41 American bases in the Scandinavian countries, I forgot uh, Denmark and uh, Iceland. Mm. But um, so it's a big, big, big change. And the murder of Palme played a significant role. Also, we had the foreign minister, Anna Lind, murdered 2003, I believe it was. It's not very common in a silent, I mean, uh, You'd think of Scandinavia as a place for walking in the forest and having a nice time of life. And then you have a prime minister murdered, and then you have a foreign minister murdered. That's very strange. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, of course, in, in, in Germany, in the West Germany, you had uh, also social democrats that were pinpointed by, I think that Olof Palme was murdered in a big uh, conspiracy where the Americans, of course, played a role, but where also Swedish security uh, uh, intelligence circles had a role. And, I think uh, it's fair to say that it is the Swedish JFK case. There are many similar similarities. Yes, 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 yes. And and I mean, you had Willy Brandt in Germany, and he had this uh, East German Guillaume. spy, mm -hmm. Guillaume, walking beside mm -hmm. him for one year. And I think uh, Hans Dietrich Genser, as well as... Uh, uh, Galen uh, knew about mm. uh, this Guillaume figure before Brandt knew anything. And when he knew, it was too late, so he had to step down. And then you have uh, the... Yeah, it's even worse than that, just shortly, because his uh, his partners, the liberal free democrats, liberal means uh, uh, middle conservative, not like an USA liberal, um, and they uh, they knew that there was a spy connected to Willy Brandt and they kept him running because that could be used as a tool. And that is really the reason why why Willy Brandt stepped down, uh, because he felt uh, that uh, his the people that were in his coalition put a, uh, put a dagger in his back. So there yeah. was no way to proceed. Yeah? And you also have uh, Helmut Schmidt that didn't lose the election, but he lost the vote uh, in uh, Bundestag because mm -hmm. the, the free liberals, uh, what do you call them? The, the free liberals, they... they uh, vote, Some of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they voted against uh, him. And um, also and worse, I, sorry for interrupting you again, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. did an interview in the United States with a colleague, and he told me that uh, the American uh, security state was out to see how 
Palme could be diminished, and uh, that would be done. That was an elabor elaborate operation with the submarines, and then in the end, yes, I would yes, say yes. the murder. But yeah. in Germany, it was far easier because uh, uh, Helmut Schmidt was in a coalition with the Freidemokraten, with the liberals, and they were mm. bankrupt. And so they just mm. had to put some money on their side mm. and make sure that there were only two people. That was a vote of no confidence. And it was, mm. uh, we have been told uh, our industry had a hand in that. But um, I talked mm. to a colleague who said, who even offered to uh, have two people from the Reagan government who would talk about it, that it was them. Oh. Uh, I was forbidden by our TV station to do an interview. That's one of the reasons why, the, one of the main reasons why I quit there, because oh. that was ridiculous, yeah, that I, uh, I was, po it was possible to get an interview with people who were involved in that, who were willing to speak, oh. Oh. and they oh. just didn't want to hear. That is our German part, yeah. So oh. uh, that was, Schmidt was ousted by, uh, because there was home Helmut Kohl on the horizon, who they thought mm. would be uh, better suited for the Americans. So you see, they're mm. all around, and mm. I think, and then also there's Oscar Lafontaine, who was attacked and uh, a, a mentally ill woman uh, put a knife in his uh, in his uh, throat, um, and he managed by a few millimeters to survive that. So no yeah. artery was uh, uh, so it was, and he considered that um, something like it was a warning for him. Yeah. Uh, mm. that uh, things were um, and uh, interviews I did in the United States uh, Oscar Lafontaine was called the most dangerous politician in Europe and uh, mm. now he's on the backside of the Sarah Wagenknecht party is the husband of Sarah Wagenknecht and she's this would be an interesting topic also to discuss she's trying to uh, by going back to the blue collar state of the parties uh, to have a policy that, which adheres to the Let's say working class people, petite bourgeois, the lower middle class and up to the middle class um, and the inequality of. So this is characteristically social democratic ideas. And on the other hand, mm. she's about immigration. She takes a position um, how to handle that from the perspective, again, from the blue collar people, because the people who are very much pro immigration is the academic bourgeoisie i would call that <laughs> they have uh, different uh, uh different uh, uh attitudes about it so is that um she is um in the polls uh in the beginning she up to 20 percent would vote for her she would cannibalize on people who vote for afd the right wing because they are not really right wingers they're just protest voters uh, so but on the and then you see for example you told me about norway where the young people uh, um, they run away when they hear social democracy. You can tell us about the, young, the, the young, there. the young men, the young men, uh, oh, the young uh, men. Okay, yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. that was interesting. Also, that's a development. So, uh, do you think? Um, uh, can you give us the the number? And do you think that Sarah Wagenknecht is on a pro uh, promising way to uh, reinstate social democracy in Europe? But personally, I think the number in Norway is uh, seven percent of the young men between, I think it was eighteen and twenty-five or something like that, uh, will vote mm. for the social democrats, and only seven percent. Mm. And uh, yes, I think Sarah Wagenknecht is on on the on the right move, on the right path. Uh, I think, of course, I am a bit <laughs> disappointed uh, now. Uh, in Sweden, when I look at my party and uh, the stance in, you know, applying for NATO membership and so on, allowing all these 17 places for American soldiers, 
And uh, uh, I would like to have something like Sara Wagenknecht in in Sweden uh, with her political profile. Uh, I, I would like to have more traditional social democracy. And uh, once in a time, you know, when you had political reform, uh, when it was always to the better, you had political reform and you get better pensions, you had political reform and you got longer vacations, you had political reform and you get better health care and so on. Since the 1980s, political reform has been, you know, you have to privatize and deregulate and you have to uh, have austerity so that we can keep our budgets in place uh, and so on. And so I think the the what is the political reform has changed totally. Uh, uh, and that is one of part of the problems. The, the social democrats have turned with Blair and now Keith Starmer more neoliberal. And uh, they have joined this uh, train trying to deregulate and privatize uh, public services and uh, Sweden is uh, still a, a country where there's some equal equality in economic terms and in life prospects <laughs> education and such but uh, the inequality uh, in Sweden has uh, risen has developed at a a higher pace uh, than in any other OECD country. And mm. uh, th that's not because uh, wages are so... Uh, that has to do with uh, with uh, when you have assets, when you have housing, and those that have assets and those that does not have assets, the, the difference between those groups in, has uh, increased. So... Uh, just to try to get back to the 80s and uh, so on, mm. I think that uh, um, there was a fight because uh, when did we realize that the Soviet Union was going to collapse? We didn't really know. It's a big, big change. And often you, you don't see the big changes. But I think that we knew in the mid 80s that something was going to happen because we have had Andropov doing some small reforms. And then Gorbachev came along and he did big reforms. Mm -hmm. And Olof Palme was supposed to go and meet him in uh, April 86 and uh, to talk with him about uh, the future. And he had this uh, idea of a common security. You know, we have to build security together, not against each other. And that really is a thought for today when we build uh, security against each other. And uh, uh, so... But then he was murdered just before he went there to 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 meet Gorbachev, and I know Gorbachev said in an interview I saw uh, that why did they murder Olof Palme? Well, some people just don't want to have peace, he said. Mm. And uh, and you also have the uh, German Herrhausen. He had the plan mm. for fi financing the uh, Soviet Union to be after after the collapse, and he was murdered. Uh, so I think there's two, I mean, of course, I look at one United States as they have committed like, uh, and then it's a part of the CIA is and the, the rogue intelligence guys and women. 80 coups they have tried to have, they have performed throughout the world from 47. 
and uh, they don't really want to have a Europe that they cannot control. They don't want to have a Europe where uh, the Nord Stream pipeline can provide uh, Germany with cheap gas. I just and, want to uh, mention that that is uh, one of the worst. When you saw Scholz, our chancellor, standing next to Biden, mm. while Biden declared that they will take out Nord Stream, and he mm. just stood there as a, like a schoolboy. That was uh, that is yeah. a, a strong part where a lot of people in Germany, not really on the social democratic side, they just shove that aside. But for other people, it meant that you could see that we don't have. Uh, somebody who has the leadership qualities to stand up against that, which would be needed desperately. And uh, he's not that dangerous, so he won't be killed like Olaf Palme. No, no, he, it was a Soros, Soros site. I saw that press conference. Yeah. And um, no, but, but for me, uh, if you go back to Yarafakis, um, those issues are connected. The security state and their agendas you can say the deep state that is controlled by Wall Street or the London city. That's that's their interest they are working for. And social democracy, the labor movement, started out as a resistance movement. They, they were resisting the bourgeoisie. They were resisting the capitalist uh, uh, negative effects. And... Um, Somewhere along the line, in the 80s, perhaps the social democracy ceased to be a resistance movement and became a part of the more established and also uh, part of the new neoliberal ideas. And so um, we lost uh, the ground. We all lost track. We all track and, and ground. We have to go to another round. Let's get back to this because I think that's important. It's uh, a little bit of history about the social democratic because that's at, in the beginning there was no difference between the communist party and the social democratic parties. Really, they were very close together on a Marxist leaning, and that happened in in Germany. I don't know how it is in Sweden. It happened in the late fifties that they said goodbye Marxism and get to something else but uh, first the ads we get back to this uh to the split and the question is mm -hmm. going back to this basic understanding mm -hmm. of society would be a solution the ads please mm -hmm. de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective i really don't understand how this trial between michael mann and mark stein is continuing and i don't know if dr mann wanted to put his hockey stick on trial there are so many holes in his argument it is hard to believe i don't even understand how people could have let that out without questioning it and i've talked about this before one of the biggest problems i have is he won't let anyone look at his data at least no one that is skeptical of his data and that should raise red flags and i've talked about this many many times you can go and look at what the global temperature does when it's warm in the eastern and central part of the united states and warm across europe usually the global temperature is elevated now when it's cold in those areas believe it or not the global temperature is actually colder the problem with this whole hockey stick and the recreation of temperatures from pine cones is the areas he looks at and draws his ideas from are usually cold when the earth is warm. 
So he would not be able to detect that. He would not know that because he's not a meteorologist. If he was a meteorologist, would he know it? Of course he'd know it because we talk about this all the time. They're called teleconnections. So if I were in there talking about this, I'd be asking, where is your meteorology background and are you aware of this going on? But in any case, this whole hockey stick idea of temperature recreation looks to be more of a hokey stick to a lot of us out there. And the first red flag is you wouldn't let anyone look at your data. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped or cooked incorrectly. And that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. Dirk Pullman, Dirk Pullman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Yeah, and this is an internal ad. Don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily watch or listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download, keeping you up to speed on today's News Talk TNT. I do that when I walk my dog, by the way. It's quite interesting. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to this part. Um, I think I was um, I started to read uh, because we have 100 years of the death of Lenin. I read an article about Lenin. I always considered Lenin like um, uh, uh, a mechanic of power and not very friendly one. And But when I read what I read, uh, um, I started to read into it. It's uh, the the picture gets much more diverse if you also see between Lenin and Stalin. So there's a lot. And I read from Ferdinand Lassalle, who was a German social democratic uh, intellectual from the times. And I don't know how you feel about that. But when I read these things, I feel there's a spirit in there, especially for Lassalle. That is, uh, you see the um, the the quest for a better a better situation for humans everywhere and there's the idea that it is possible and this is completely absent this is my feeling from today it is also you you talked about uh, gorbachev and that was gorbachev was a big fan of the swedish economy by the way that's what not many people know he he wanted to to go with the um with the ideas that olaf palmer had for example to could hand out uh, one third of the big companies to the employees there so he was very much into that and that is only 30 years ago and i remember vividly when that happened um i was i said always said i will stand at the road with a small soviet flag waving it when gorbachev comes because in all these for example when they had uh, um, negotiations about weapons and they would say three thousand less of this then the soviet side would say okay we arranged for three thousand less and we put one thousand more on top of it so they showed that they wanted to, to proceed. It was uh, the push was coming from them. And then what we see now is uh, this developed into a situation where we are as close to even a nuclear war, but a war there's yeah. planning now you can read on, on foreign policy about the big one coming that is China versus USA. And they talk about uh, that is I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. They talk about how to lead this long lasting war staying under uh, staying under the the nuclear threshold, uh, so yeah. that is, is a war with China 
just not nuclear. So the West is, um, yeah, the, we are far away from that. Do you think it would be possible to uh, to have something like a valuable, uh, a, a concrete utopia where to say this is the way for the forward, this is where we're going to? Do you think social democracy could be revived or is it dead and you should put a fork in it and turn it over? Well, I really don't know. Uh, it's a <laughs> hard question to answer, but uh, I think that social democracy has suffered a lot from the geopolitical changes. Uh, we talk about like uh, tectonical plates moving around yes. today. And uh, it's like if the social democrats have ended up in the cracks in between the tectonal plates and you know, risking to be squashed altogether. Uh, Yarafakis, uh, as I understand him, I have to read the book, but I've seen the videos. Uh, has an, uh, he says that uh, things have not got, gotten, gotten better. Uh, you always think that uh, the trajectory is to the better and upwards, but now people uh, experience that things are not going, developing to the better. And of course, the threat is there. Uh, the, uh, of fascism of some sort, a new sort of fascism. Uh, and uh, I'm not saying that today's right, uh, like the alternative of Deutschland is, is, is a fascist force, but uh, more in, in line with this uh, cloud capital and uh, control that they are trying to have that, you know, when you in fact, he's also said that Tesla, uh, they they will make more money from all the information they gather about our habits when we drive the Teslas around than selling from selling the car. And and so um, in this feudal, as he describes it, uh, world uh, based on cloud capital and monopolies, mm -hmm. there is a risk of this will develop towards fascism, a new sort of fascism. And there has to be an alternative to that. Mm. And um, uh, I think very, very many people would like to have an alternative to that. So, uh, the, you know, politi politics is all, always what you can manage to do. You cannot, if you work in a democracy, you have to have the people behind you. You have to have support, uh, majority in parliament and so on. And um, uh, but you also guess, need the place to discuss these things. I think yes. uh, I'm completely missing places where where these issues are at least tackled. Uh, for example, you were just talking about Tesla, and that is a, a, a book I highly recommend from Shoshana Zuboff, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. She's a, a Harvard uh, economist, and uh, for example, that is uh, to to just uh, stress what you said. Uh, Ford uh, uh, was considering stopping building cars, but only using the data produced by cars as a business model, because you could make much more money from the data. You drive in the car and they know what music you listen to, where you go to, how long you stay there, what kind of things you visit. So these are, that's kind of what, that's why she called it uh, surveillance capitalism. The same applies for all the big 
tech, uh, uh, tech uh, like uh, Amazon or Google, they sell the data. Data is the new gold. That is one of the things. So we have to be aware that this all goes into a direction and we are not even asked if we like it. It is like, <laughs> it's uh, it's simply there. It's like air pressure, mm. yeah? That mm. uh, And mm. nobody, all these, uh, the media don't function in a way that we can uh, even know about it. Uh, we know about very little and not about these big movements. This is why I was so interested in Varoufakis when I heard that. Mm. Um, that was new and it was uh, it was a new, it was cross, cross the usual lines of battle. It was uh, mm. um, very interesting and it led to, but I think in a way it leads to this question, uh, do we go back to the idea that by wire negotiating on what should be done that the future could be changed i always think there's a eric lee it's another thing that i recommend that's on on youtube a, a ted talk from a, a chinese um venture capitalist and he said uh, yeah. that uh, people uh, in in the west uh, uh they can change the government they can vote but they cannot change the policy and he said, in China, you can change the policy, but you cannot change yeah. the government. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be in a way, quite <laughs> the way true. Uh, but your take, so how, yeah, well, to, how I, to proceed? I, I look upon politics uh, quite a lot from the uh, hidden agendas. And uh, mm. uh, when you talk about mass media, Bernstein uh, showed in the 1970s that there were some 400 American journalists that the CIA in one way or another uh, could rely upon. And uh, William Colby, the then uh, CIA director, also uh, confirmed that in uh, hearings in the Congress, American Congress. Uh, that was in the 1970s. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I wonder how it is today. Uh, we're all aware of the, the cyber war and the the disinformation and so on and but it's always pointed at even people like uh, us uh, like a social democrat that doesn't follow the party line for but i mean that the real disinformation is from the mainstream and mm -hmm. uh, there we get the information that is you always have to think two or three times before you can accept it and mm -hmm. um and uh, that's also a part of this development towards some kind of fascism. And uh, the social democratic parties, the labor movement, they have always relied on the strength of the organization that people are involved. And at least, not least in Sweden and the Nordic countries, there has been a popular, a, a popular movement. I studied my, my little, um, Social Democratic Youth Organization Club from the home city where I grew up. And they were arrested. The people that were in the Social Democratic Youth Club in the early 1920s, they were arrested on the streets when they were out uh, giving out pamphlets and so on. So that's what I'm talking about is the resistance. And I think that the social democracy and the labor movement has to go back to being mm -hmm. a very uh, obvious uh, um leader of resistance to all these bad things that are happening both on the geopolitical level uh, where of course i'm for international law the un and so on and perhaps on the way there multi multi what do you say uh where, where the power is shared among many countries and and then 
when it comes to economies, I think that the social democratic parties are dependent on that they have national national platforms for uh, welfare programs for uh, politics that are more or less national, and that mm. we have to we have to think that this uh, you know giving every all all the power to European Commission and so on is not the right way. And uh, the, the global issues have to be solved on the national level. So um, that's a pass forward, but um, I think it's not certain that the social democratic uh, organizations in Europe will follow that. No, what we have in Germany now, I don't know uh, uh, if that made it over the Pacific and over the North Atlantic and the South Atlantic is we have quite a lot of very big demonstration of astonishingly young people who protest against the right wing shift. These are hundreds of thousands of people every week were demonstrating. It's the strongest demonstration that we have. It's on, on par really with the farmers. The farmers are the other uh, other big demonstration. But you see that there's um, you can feel that uh, um, there's less confidence. It's something you are talking about tectonic shifts. And I think this is what we can see that things are starting to move. And there's discontent. Discontent is one of the main feelings that uh, that I can see developing that is getting stronger. Uh, and uh, I think your idea of going into the lead of being uh, among the people who address this That's possible, but I really don't see how that should work with our <laughs> no. with our social democrats here. Yeah, no, is, it's no. not coming from them. Yeah. Mm. No, that's a what sad. Ab what about uh, what about mm. Sweden? I mean, uh, is there uh, is there kind? Do you have young uh, fine cannibals revolutionaries within the <laughs> social <laughs> democracy who could move something? Well, when I speak to my generation of social democrats, uh, with my beliefs, uh, we say perhaps we would not have joined the social Dem democratic youth today if we were young perhaps mm. it's uh, you know we have to find something new but i really hope that uh, i know from uh, internal uh, discussions within the social democratic party in sweden that there are policy uh, we are formulating policies in a way that um, will bring us back to the right track But there is a uh, discussion and we don't know what where we will end up. So, um, and of course, I think that uh, many things is uh, against the social democratic movement because of the cloud capital, because of the globalism, mm. because of uh, the security states that doesn't, you know, they work for the Wall Street and for London City. Mm. And... Uh, We are not strong any longer, so it's not. It doesn't look too good, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the there's one possible. What I really think what is missing is uh, uh, more international think tanks. One of I'm really astonished how how uninternational journalism is. It's very very nationalistic in it in terms of the organization. It's hard hardly anything like. Like I'm sitting now on an uh, on a uh, English speaking country that is very unusual. We need more of that, and that's of course a problem with voice. But there is one of the bright horizons of uh, 
<laughs> where uh, things like AI could help in the future to, to do something. We need that badly. Yeah, okay, I think we're running around out of time. And um, if we come up with a good idea, we let you know to the listeners. Right now, it just looks that we see the ship sinking and don't really know how to solve it. Yeah. Thank you, Ula, and um, goodbye. Yeah.